Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? This is madness! This is a booth! Staring down, looking at the blood stained concrete. Hear the dead MC flying at my feet. You took a 9mm rhyme straight to your mind. Damn, my better split. This is my time, so I make my way up the block. Get the whole base and lock that. Run. Crack the Cavassier and grab the phone. Call one of my troops up. Hope the soldier's homie says, Yo, what's up? What's going on? Make it quick, cause I'm trying to get my stellar on. Go. Yo, girl, I'm in the. These lyrical assassins tried to pull a hit and then boom, came a noise from the other room. It was the boys in blue with the SWAT crew. They got us locked up for lyrical murder. It's one of them charges that you never heard of. It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, we're killing all your podcasts like the HIV virus. You want to battle this kid? Huh, don't even try this. Back the uh. up, think again, count to ten. You want to grab that mic just to get done in? It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. Alright, you boys, this is the one broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to The Booth, December 5th, 2017. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We also got Podium will feature New England Patriots tight end, Rob Gronkowski. We've got a lot of NFL stuff to talk about, but I got to get right into this. Guys, Ken Diesel, R-squared. Man, welcome to the show tonight, and... I, I, I got to get right into it because our group chat that we have set up for this show, we try to talk about things before the show goes on the air. And we've got, I mean, we've got giant stuff to talk about. We've got a ton of stuff, but the big thing that happened was, was I believe it was, it was it Thursday. Me and you, Rob was in the chat. It, it, it was breaking news. It was, it was Friday or Thursday. This all came about uh, breaking news. It was Flynn. Had been charged by the FBI for lying to the FBI, and um, from there on out, it had been—it was just a political bombshell. We went from Trump's lawyer telling him not to tweet because there's some contradiction. We're gonna get into this with with Ken, because um, we, we had talked about this way back. We talked about these tweets now becoming evidence. Um, mm-hmm. and this very well could be. Um, Trump goes on and. Now, all of a sudden, you know, he was told not – and I was actually watching it on my Facebook page. Uh, Trump was told not to tweet. It was – I want to say it was 12 hours before his next tweet after the rumor was was that his advisors had told him, his legal advisors had told him to not put any tweets out. Then with – I didn't want to say it was like 10 to 18 hours, a tweet goes out, and it's a huge contradiction to part of the investigation about Comey and all this stuff. And then when everybody blows up and starts fact-checking, Trump's lawyer comes out and says, well, I'm the one that put the tweet out there, which made everything even more crazier. And then to even top it off, after that, Trump comes on TV, and, and, and we talked about this on Tuesday night, about the whole thing about the tape, the, the Access Hollywood tape being fake, 
So now Billy Bush is on Stephen Colbert that Friday night, or it was last night he was on, and Billy Bush comes out and says, I don't know what this guy's talking about, but first of all, I lost my job because of what he said off camera with the with a hot mic. I lost my job. And second of all, the tape's authentic. So I don't know where this guy's coming from saying that the tape is, is not real. So I, I just got to get into it. This is because, Rob, you were right there with me. Unfortunately, Ken was stuck in court that day. He jumped into the conversation late. It, this is, like I said to Rob, this is historic. We've, we, we're not probably, in sports right now, the Patriots run is something that no one will probably ever see again in their lifetimes. Politically, right now, this presidential situation, we have never seen anything like it. We're probably never going to see anything ever like it ever again. I hope not. Team Oklahoma, let's, we'll be talking about Oklahoma. Oklahoma lost some serious seats this past week, and Ken has been saying the Democrats are just slowly. So, first of all, Rob, I want you to get into it because me and you were in that chat, and it was just we're watching all this stuff come out, and you're, you're seeing things just fall apart right before your eyes. Go, I'm going to let you get into it, Rob. It was crazy. Where do we want to start? From 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 saying, oh, no, he's going to implicate the Clintons. He's going to talk about the uranium and blah, 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 blah. And everybody's like, no, he's not. Not If you go back and look, and you pointed out, Rob, I'm going to let you explain it. Go back and point out what you said about what Flynn's comments were that day. Sure. And, you know, what Michael Flynn said was, you know, he pled guilty he uh, he said he did it because he once really bothered him, and that's probably true. Being a career military man, that's those words sting a normal person, and certainly a career military officer would be more stung by that. So he did it. The question becomes, what is the information that he's giving to the Mueller team? Because it really could be from very little to really the the biggest piece of the whole equation, and we just don't know. The important thing is. That he's a cooperating witness. I mean, that certainly is a key development. This is a man who was part of the campaign and the transition. He was there. He was in the room. He knows. He knows exactly who was doing what, uh, if not everything, certainly 90 percent of what was going on, and he is in a position to do it. So the question becomes, what is his deal with Robert Mueller? Because it could be uh, you know, he's, he's admitting that he basically lied to the FBI, and he lied to the FBI about things that we already knew he was lying about. Those are well-established things, for example, and those are the lies he pled guilty to. So the question is, in exchange for the sweetheart deal that he got with Robert Mueller, and remember, his sentencing has not occurred yet, so we don't know what the punishment will be. We just know that there was a nice gift-wrapped bow of all the things he did uh, wrapped up. We really don't know. I mean, we could all speculate. We could be hopeful. We could be Whatever our reactions are going to be as we look at this thing from a legal, from a political, from all kinds of standpoints, and uh, at the end of the day, it's going to be a while before we know specifically what information he's giving. Is he ratting out the president, uh, Donald Jr., Jared Kushner, uh, or is he just confirming information they already have? That's all says about uh, what he's giving. It could be something from the biggest piece of evidence to the smallest piece of evidence. But it is an important step forward, and quite frankly, after all the things that Flynn said, which quite frankly I think he disgraced himself as a military officer during the campaign and during the convention as what it is. 
So what I'm going to do with Ken, I want to get Ken into this legal part of it. Um, one of the things that you, you mentioned was all the different people that, who are involved. One of the things I mentioned saying to Rob when we were talking was I said, well, in my opinion, there's there's three people that are possibly going to take the fall. One could be Steve Bannon, which I don't see because Steve Bannon has still got a lot of power and he's still very vocal and he's he's not a guy that's going to back down. So I feel like it's going to be Donald Trump Jr. or it would be Jared Kushner who falls on the sword because there was a big falling out because supposedly Bannon, when you started seeing some changes there, but then it abruptly changed again. And then Kushner was on the outside looking in, um, which they say had strained that relationship between Ivanka and, and Donald. Um, legally, Ken, um, you know, right away, like I said, Trump was told not to tweet. And like I said, it was almost 10 to maybe 18 hours before we did see a tweet. And when we did see a tweet, it was um, say within an hour, maybe two. His lawyer immediately comes out and says, oh, no, 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 I tweeted that. Explain this, because I feel like that's BS. I feel like the lawyer didn't. I think Trump did tweet this. And they were like, what the hell behind closed doors? We told you not to tweet. And then his lawyer goes out there and dumps this stupid ass, you know, I, you, let me hear it right from you. Let me hear it right okay, from you. Okay, well, attorney. let's start with the fact of what Trump said. What Trump said in the tweet, or it looks like what he said, is that he was aware the fact that Michael Flynn was lying to the FBI before he asked then FBI Director Comey to back off the investigation. And then when Comey didn't do it, he fired Comey. So this is in contradiction to what he said before because – up until this point, he claims that he'd think reasons, not because he wouldn't back off the Flynn investigation. Now it appears that he's admitting that he knew Flynn was lying, did not fire Flynn, and when Comey didn't do what he was supposed to do, according to Trump, he fired Comey, which would be obstruction of justice. <clears throat> it's That's what they're saying. Now, his lawyer comes out and said, no, it wasn't him. It was me. Uh-huh. <laughs> if the lawyer – he can no longer represent Trump. Because now he's made false allegations implicating somebody else who clearly he should not be representing Donald Trump because he has clearly – I won't say lied to a tribunal, but he's put out a statement or condoned a statement that he knew or should have known was materially false. Although frankly, I don't think that's possible, uh, and that is a major issue. I just don't believe criminal law for 25 years. I can tell you Flynn must have given up something and big. Either he gave up Jared Kushner or he gave up Trump or he gave up both or he gave them a roadmap to how to get them. You don't get that sweetheart deal. Was They said he gave up a top transitional team member. That could be anybody from Trump to Kushner to Ben. I would say, okay, so who would you say his transitional team was? His top transitional team. I would say Bannon, Kushner. Right. And Trump Jr., right? It'd be this. And, uh, no. Trump, Trump Jr. really wasn't. No. Trump Jr. is down the list. Ivanka? Don't forget I can't Ivanka. see her. I can't see her. Go ahead. Who else? She was, a Trump, she was one of the Trump people. Bannon. You're right. saying Donald Trump Jr. is too far down. No. Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump are idiots. Mm-hmm. And they were, not in, they were not in the inner circle. Mm-hmm. They were at best bag men. They it, the circle consisted of Bannon, Trump, Ivanka, and Jared, and that's it. And Mike Pence. And Mike Pence. Do you think? I, see, I, like you haven't heard that thing from Mike Pence. I didn't say he was an idiot. I said he was dirty. Well, this goes well, back to you, about, Robert. I was just going to say the thing about Pence is 
you know, we don't know what level he played at. I would part of me was saying all along that he was staying specifically on the sidelines for a lot of it so that he would be the clean player when and if this broke, that he would survive and be the guy that takes over for the president. And the other people thought he did. So I'm not so sure that he isn't as dirty as uh, at least a lot of them are. Uh, he's certainly not clean, and, and we'll see. Uh, he may go down with the president, and uh, you know, time will tell. But I, my point being is that just when you look at the possible people that Flynn could have implicated, Mike Pence is definitely one of them. Ken, absolutely. I think I would put okay, the guy. Okay, Kushner's not going to take the fall. Kushner's a pussy. You think? So you think? You think he's going to squeal like a stuck the, pig? You, so you think his? You don't think he has any loyalties to Trump? You think if it comes Absolutely down to not. him, Absolutely for the sake, not. So let so this goes to my question because me and me and Rob we debated this. I feel that if Flynn does have the dirt, if he does have the big, the big implicator, I myself at this time I feel our government cannot allow the the public to know that the Russians did tamper and did have an outcome with this election. I feel in my in my heart at this time, I think the government would cover it up and I would say Kushner takes that fall to protect to protect our government and not lose democracy. Yeah, no, no, that, no. Can you both say no, you both feel if 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 this was tampered with, if this was 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 conspired, it needs to come out and our government has to let us know I'm going to let Rob go first, and then we'll go to Ken. Because Rob, you were you you made a great point, and Ken, you too. So I'm going to let you you go first, Rob. Yeah, real quick, because I think uh, Diesel and I are going to be in agreement on this thing. First of all, I think it can't be covered up because that will make it worse. However, what I want to say is, is this: no matter what is coming out about talking to the Russians, you know, one of the things you said was that. Uh, they would have to cover it up because it would be proof that the Russians had impact on the election. We may never quite know the answer to that aspect of it. What we're getting at now is with the Russians uh, where they had knowledge that the Russians were interfering in the election as far as all that Facebook stuff and everything else we spoke about weeks ago, the social media things they were doing, the improper bots and all that, that they were doing, the fake news, that type of thing. But I don't know that anything is going to come out now that's going to prove that they stole the election. Now, I think reasonable minds will conclude, and there will be a lot of analysis and great debates and articles written uh, about uh, trying to demonstrate that the things that the Russians did are going to have a field day. I'm going to enjoy reading it. Maybe I'll try to write about it. I don't know. But the point is none of that's going to be proven from this investigation because those metrics are a whole separate thing. What we're going to find out of this, worst case scenario, is that there was outright collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians to at least make the attempt at influencing the election. To me, that's a, that's a very serious offense, and it doesn't matter as far as the- when you hear them say about this collusion thing, a lot of Trump's people, are, the first thing they say is, is they say, well, Hillary Clinton did this and Obama did this. Except for this fact, we seem to be ignoring, or at least have not reached it yet, the impact of Russian money in our election. For those of you who don't know, it is illegal for a non-U.S. citizen to donate money to a election campaign of, an, of a USA official. Okay. If that happens, that's a felony. With surrogate, and I think this is what we're going to find with surrogate, you now have a question of the campaign's legitimacy. Because remember, Donald Trump's campaign did not have a lot of money. It was very cash poor. 
and he relied on a great deal of free media to win. But now if you go in and say, wait a minute, they got money from the Russians, at one point you say, excuse me, you wouldn't have been able to to do that office. So I disagree. I think this this is going to be on a more academic ar- argument because what we're finding out is Trump was laundering money for the Russian mob for the longest time. There's no reason to believe he wasn't doing it during the campaign. If that's true, then he would have been disqualified as a candidate because he would have been in jail. No, I agree with everything you said. The point that I was making about the proof was that all of those things are proof of improper activity, criminal activity maybe, but certainly improper activity out there unless you were able to poll every single voter. And let's face it, a lot of them wouldn't be honest uh, about whether they voted for or against a specific candidate because of the specific fake news pieces or other things that were being placed on social media. That's the thing that I think people oh, are mistaken to know. I would agree with that, but I think, you're, yeah. I think you're becoming a little too pedantic, all due respect, Colonel, saying you would, it was not a question of who people would have voted for. The question is could this guy or gal or anyone be legally able to stand for election? I believe that if we found out, that if the prosecution found out that the Russian – the uh, Trump campaign was receiving serious money. He may have been enjoined from running. He may have said, I'm sorry. You're disqualified. You have violated these laws. You can't stand for – to be a candidate. And depending on when it was, it was questionable whether Republicans could have put someone else up. We're having well, the same issue. Two things about that. I mean real quick. I want you to finish, but two, real quick is number one, I don't know if – if you look at the statutes, if those say that that, that – Money violations like that from a foreign government or whatever uh, disqualify you from running versus carry other penalties. So to me, they're impeachable uh, offenses, but I don't know if they would have disqualified him and forced him to drop out if it was simply about receiving money. There was clearly other activity he was doing, if it was money laundering, criminal activity that could have been had other consequences. But specifically on this point is I don't know if the sanction for those money violations is a disqualification of the campaign or the candidate. So that's something well, that's interesting to know. Let me just – one other point, and then I'll stop because I want to hear the rest of your thing, is Mike Pence spoke out to the RNC during the campaign saying he was ready to take over were they to remove President Trump from the top of the ticket. So Pence was watching for his opportunity. Yes. Here's the thing. In certain states, you cannot vote or be on the ballot if you're a convicted criminal or if you're facing major felony charges. These are mostly southern states. Yeah, fair so point. theoretically, if this had come down during the election where he was indicted, his name would have to be taken off the ballot in certain states. And that yeah, could have been the march of victory. No, you're right. It I, just depends on what type of offenses those are characterized. Right. Are they felonies? How would they have been charged? And what happens when you're – it's an interim measure during an an active campaign. Right. Exactly. And of course I don't know enough. I agree. We're going to have to find a lot more information out. But I think there's no question about it. The Russians interfered with with our election. Did it have an effect of of swaying the election to one side or another? I agree with with the colonel. This is going to be an excellent – Subject of debate in the academic circles probably for the rest of our lifetimes. This could be the new shooter on the grassy knoll uh, for our generation. You know, we're we're still finding things out. We still don't know who did what or why they did it. And we're also assuming this is a key point that I think we're all missing. We're assuming that there was one central uh, coordinated attack. 
And it looks like we're finding out there were multiple attacks by multiple people within the Russian intelligence community who may or may not have known what the other one was doing. Because as we know, you know, there are various power groups within Russia who may or may not have talked to each other. So all I can say is, folks, strap yourself in. It's going to be a bumpy ride. To say the least. It's crazy. Like I said, you know, we sat there when the story broke and, you know, we were just going pretty crazy over it. And, you know, it, it really hasn't ended. Um, and it, it's funny because, you know, I said this to Robert. I said, you know, Robert, this is, this is something that we've never seen in our lifetime from from this level of government. And what bothers me the most is that there are still people out there who I have a friend, Matt, Matt Polkis, who's on my Facebook page. People who have visited my Facebook page have seen Matt Polkis. Um, he's a guy that he voted for, you know, he voted for Trump. He, he had a real disdain for Hillary Clinton and he still backs Trump and he still talks highly of Trump. And, you know, he still has this belief that this guy is going to change America and, you know, people are, you know, we, even our own Kevin Jackson, who's on our network, you know, he has his beliefs that we don't agree with. But, you know, because he's on our network, he has his views. Um, why are people so still so stubborn to understand that that our government is in a place that we've yet that we've never been in before? We, we, we still have a cabinet that's not been completely filled yet. And that that topic is yet to come back up. We have a tax plan that was pretty much forced down our throats that it looks like it may not go through now. Um, there are some major, major things that were left off the table or, 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 or going to be affected. Um, Ken, you was talking about this on Friday. You, you said that there were a ton of deductions that were going to be eliminated. And that, and it was funny after you mentioned that to us on Friday, we we're hearing that that, that was accidentally done. That wasn't supposed to happen, which is why a lot of these Republicans are now saying, whoa, 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 this can't go through like this. We didn't realize that this was going to happen. So, Ken, I'm going to have you explain that. Uh, well, getting to your your first point first, the reason why people who are still backing Trump is simple psychology. These people can't admit they're wrong because if they admit that they're wrong, that Trump is the clown we all claim he was, then we, the radical left-wing commie Hillary fans, and I put that in quotes because that's not who we are, are right. And they would rather burn down the country than admit that they were wrong. It's a it's a psychopathy. Okay? It's malignant narcissism. Okay. As for the uh tax plan, which I which you and I spoke a lot about, from what I'm understanding, and granted I'm getting this literally updated by the moment from all my sources is there, Mitch McConnell did not have the votes earlier this week. So to get the votes, he promised everything to everyone to get their votes. So whatever you wanted, if you were Senator X and you wanted, you know, uh, tax deductions for dog walkers, he promised you that and put it in the bill. So a lot of these deductions that were that were taken out or put, or more importantly, uh, put back in or taken out, they were promises to se- to separate senators to. By their vote. As a matter of fact, I talked about this earlier today. One of the most important concessions was to Senator Collins of Maine, who was a key vote. Uh, Mitch McConnell promised her there would be no cuts to Medicare or Medicaid in the tax bill. 
that Medicare and Medicaid had to be protected. We now found out that Medicare and Medicaid basically would be gutted. And she's been infuriated, took to Twitter and a lot of play, and a lot of things like that. Another very important tax deduction that went the way of the Buffalo was the uh, home mortgage interest deduction. Now, that was actually put back in up to a million dollars. The problem is the Tea Party caucus in the House has made it quite clear that that's a hill they're willing to die on. If that deduction remains in, they will vote against the t- that they will vote against the bill. So that bill, that deduction is coming out from what it all, all looks like. So there will be no more home mortgage interest deduction, and you're going to kill at least 12 votes on that, mainly from places where it needed. There's also the SALT deduction, state and local tax deduction, which is going out, which has actually remained out. There is – but one of the most important things, and this is what surprised everybody, uh, including Mitch McConnell, by the way, was something called the – and Rob and I talked about this before. We have very – Differing opinions on this, and I'll I'll speak first and let Rob get in second. There's now now there appears to be what we call the alternative minimum tax for corporations. What this means basically it's it's what ironically uh, Forbes called the flat tax. This basically says that you ha- that the AMT says if you make over a certain amount, you have to pay a certain amount in taxes regardless. It's either twenty percent of your income will be that, or you take the deductions and you can get at twenty percent. The problem is with the corporate rate at twenty percent. If you're a corporation and you take all your deductions, you can probably get your tax rate down to one or two percent. That was the goal for the corporations. The problem is by leaving this in, you've eliminated all those deductions for the corporations, and they have to pay a, a straight flat twenty percent, which is exactly the uh, exact opposite of what the Koch, the Koch brothers or Koch, I don't know how to pronounce their name, Coke uh, Coke brothers. Wanted all these major corporations because, in, in, in essence, they're paying a mandatory rent in taxes because they can't use any deductions. Rob, however, called me on the carpet and he said he threw at me. So, go ahead, Rob. I, I don't disagree with having a, a guaranteed minimum tax or whatever you want to do it to make sure that people can't deduct their way out of what they actually owe, especially if it's a corporation. What I was trying to suggest in our conversation the other day was that it's an ineffective way of doing it. Uh, and I say that because we all know that corporations – everybody says, oh, we have the highest corporate tax rate in the world. It's, it, it hurts our competitiveness. 35 percent is outrageous. But then if you look at the data from Forbes and all kinds of other sources that track these things, you find that the uh, that the corporations aren't even paying 20 percent. In most cases, they're paying less than 5 percent. So – there is no existing alternative minimum tax that's forcing corporations to pay their, their fair share. Now, if they want to lower the corporate rate to 20 percent, but they actually want to enforce it and guarantee that corporations are going to pay 20 percent, that's actually going to increase revenue, and that wouldn't be such a bad thing. So to that extent, I think the uh, uh, alternative minimum tax or however they want to guarantee that the corporations can't deduct or exempt themselves out of paying taxes would be good. Similar argument for individual taxpayers, uh, you know, alternative minimum tax, there are some flaws as, as written, not as, as intended. Sometimes it catches people it's not intended to catch. There are some middle class taxpayers or I guess – you know, it's hard to define what's what these days, but people that necessar- aren't necessarily intended to be caught up by that alternative minimum tax, but due to their lack of deductions or due to their uh, – you know, investments and salary or whatever else get caught up in paying that when they should have been able to take some of the deductions. So what we need to do going forward 
is if there's going to be an alternative minimum tax, we simply need to draft it in such a way that it says what it means and means what it says uh, so that it's effective and, and doesn't catch the wrong people while failing to catch the people who are intended that can still find their loopholes and shelters and, and ways around their tax obligations. Well, that I agree with. Unfortunately, the AMT does have a couple of things where it catches people and it catches 22, But the and, and I think it needs to be reformed to a point. But the problem with the Republican plan right now, is, as according to the Republicans, is that they wanted to get rid of the AMT altogether, and apparently they didn't. And that's causing a lot of consternation with major Republican donors, especially one of the most important ones was um, – oh, I can't, I can't remember their names – Something energy, the, the big coal mine down in Kentucky, the one that got all kinds of trouble for safety violations. The president of the company got up and said that under this GOP tax plan, his actually tax bill will go up by $60 million. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, that may not be the worst thing in the world. Maybe this tax plan does have some positive aspects that I did not consider. So I'm going to put it out there. You know, since I want to drag out the apology podium for me, so I think I need to use it to apologize to Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Oh my god, it's cough. Good stuff, guys. I'm sitting here blown away. We're flying along. Holy Christ, 7:33. We've just had so much so much to talk about. It's funny. We get off the air on Tuesday, you know, we end this show on a Tuesday night and I sit back now. For the last few weeks, it's been for us since we've had Robert join this show for us. It's been like, what can happen in the eight hours after the booth has gone <laughs> off the air? And I'll tell you right now, since Robert has joined this show politically, it has been nonstop politically um, with news for us. And it's been great because, it, you know, by Sunday, our plate of discussion is pretty much full between football and, and, and politics. And it's funny because, again, like I've said, we've never seen anything like this before. Ken, we've been doing this show for over 10 years. Oh, God, yeah, at least. And we've had low periods where we were like, what the F are we going to talk about this week? Because there's nothing has happened for weeks. And here we are. It's, it's just since Trump has taken office. Well, it's, it's Rob's just... fault. I blame Rob because, as you said, <laughs> you know, we had we, we've been doing the booth in one form or the other, either on the internet or at XBR for over ten years. In one form or the other, we were also part of the On the Mark show with Mark Chappetta years ago. And you're right; there were times where we were just talking about the you know we had one show where we actually gave uh, Mark Chappetta uh, manscaping because he had nothing else to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and now since Rob joined, you know we 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 have to cut things out because we don't have enough time. So I'm blaming Rob Resnick. There you yeah. go. I'd like to think I made it more fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like I said, it's crazy because we've never seen anything like this before. Um, and you know, when the years go on, you know, we're going to look back, and I, I can't wait to see how the history books and 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 how everything is handled regarding how, what we're seeing. And and again, people, this is only the first year of his presidency. You know, this is a guy that you know they've been throwing around the impeachment word and things like that for the longest time. Um, but we may never actually see this impeachment happen. Go ahead, I don't mean Mr. Pedantic, but we're now. You realize that he was inaugurated on January twentieth. Yeah, so that means we're not at one year. January, let's see, February, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. 
10 months. We're basically on month number 10 of the first year of the Trump presidency. Okay. See, see I go back. I, I, I'm counting from that night he was elected in because it, it's, it, it virtually started that night. It, it really did. The, the, the news started that night. It was you had weeks of protests that you've never, ever seen before. You had a day of woman where they the women went out that weekend and they showed in force. Those women showed in force. You oh, can't yeah. take that away across the country. Um, you had other countries overseas. They were in protest for weeks. And we had never seen anything like this from November to December. We Up until his inauguration, we had never seen such an outpouring of, of, of protest um, to the point where it was like, you know, you go back to this whole Russian collusion and influence on the election because so many people were in protest and how did he win? And that's like I said, well, that's the that. argument. Did he win? Well, you know, was the fix in? Well, and I go yeah. back to, and I hate to say this. I go back to Ken. We talked about this that night when we got off the air on election night, I remember cause I had to go to work. So I was one of the few people who were up watching. Most people went to bed before midnight. It, Like I said, it was around 1 o'clock in the morning. It was around 12.35, 12.45 when those votes started coming in from Michigan. And that it was, like I said, I was there and I watched CNN and Fox and all these people in disbelief. As those numbers came in, it was like a switch flicked on. And all of a sudden... Trump was winning. Trump was winning because at that before that it was Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. Right. And then around, like I said, it was around twelve forty-five. And then before you knew it, you know, she didn't want to come out and, and concede. And you know, then he was out there on stage, and you know, it was like one of them. It was like one, maybe two of them. It was late. It was late. It was really morning. But like I said, I felt like wow, this is strange. This is something that is weird. It's happening while everybody's sleeping because majority of America went to bed. People woke up that morning and were like, what the hell do you mean he won? Because a lot of people went to bed. Hillary Clinton had it when they went to bed. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was like, well, you know, we just have to wait what's going to happen with Michigan and Ohio, and we'll see. But the, and, that, and at that time, people were saying, no, Hillary's good. And then she wasn't. So, right. again, let's see what happens here. You know, it, it's, it's going to be real interesting. So we're at 738. I got to thank some people who are hanging out in the chat. Angel is in the chat listening to the show. Uh, Tony Arnold gave us a shout. He's checking it out. I've got some things going on. If you're watching us on Facebook Live right now, um, we broadcast this show using um, what they call as OBS software. It's it's a, it's a broadcasting, open broadcasting software, which allows us to broadcast on Facebook. I'm just going to give you guys a little inside of the show who's listening. Um, so you see an image of the show when you're listening to the show live. Um, there's a Hoobazoo, our Hoobazoo booth logo and the Hoobazoo.com, which I added today. And I was fooling around, so I've learned some things here, and I'm now finding out that I can actually take our feed. So usually when we're on on here on Facebook Live and we're doing the show at home, um, you know, we have our Skype open. Our show, we utilize Skype to broadcast the show, and Rob is utilizing his video so we can actually see what Rob's doing. And we can use our video too, but I'm, I don't want to use mine yet because I don't want to drag down the production of the show because there's so much I've got going on. Like I said, my, my setup here, I look like Morpheus in, in, in the Matrix. <laughs> I've got a laptop open. I've got my desktop open with the dual 25-inch screens. And, you know, I'm worried that if I throw my camera on, it might slow things down and the quality of the show would drop off. I think I'm probably what I'm going to end up doing is, guys, I'm probably going to end up building a new tower 
and I'm going to go above and beyond what I need for, for processing speed and graphic power. So I can do what I want to do with this show because there are podcasters out there that are utilizing the show. And I think sometimes hearing our words is great and it's funny hearing some of the stuff we have to say over the air. But sometimes just the facial expressions um, say a thousand words. You know, sometimes when, when Ken is on here, sometimes with video, sometimes those facial expressions with these guys disagree is awesome because even though even though we hear our voices you now with the video we are allowed to see our expressions our emotions so we can kind of answer and add to the show so i think we're gonna i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) i have no great faith i am bill belichick of facial expressions on this show (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah right so you have my word on it we're at seven forty one, and um, Ken, you gonna you got our picks up because I want to get into some of this NFL discussion. Oh yeah, are we doing our picks now? No, no, no. I'm gonna. I think we're gonna do okay. our, our. We'll do our picks last and close out the show. So what I think okay. I'm do is I think I'm gonna get the apology podium up so we can talk about this 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 incident over the weekend. But I think before actually before we get into the Giants first, let's let, that, that was the other big news that came up in the chat. Uh, Bob McAdoo fired. Um, Robert talked about this. He was he was kind of on the fence. He didn't think they would suspend the guy, you know, fire the guy in season. Bob McAdoo fired, and then within hours of Bob McAdoo getting fired, the general manager of the Giants was also fired. Um, Eli Manning was actually benched prior to Bob McAdoo being fired, but now it looks like uh, to start against Dallas this weekend, but I really don't care. I'll say my pick on this one that I don't care right now. That Locker room has got to be in disarray when you lose your manager and your head coach. McAdoo was known as being a players coach when he first came in. The players liked it. And then when the crap hit the fan, he changed his ways and he lost respect to the players. And that's why a lot of players were starting not to perform him. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why he's fired. Uh, Eli Manning was benched. And, you know, before we get into our apology podium, I'm going to let Rob just talk about it real quick because, you know, you said that this last week, Tuesday, you said this, Tim, you said you're, you, Felt that something big was about to happen. You were dead on. Yeah, I mean, they're a two-win team at this point in the season. So, quite frankly, whatever they do now doesn't really. But maybe unusual, especially for the Giants, that happen to be, <laughs> unlike this week, a pretty loyal team, and they never fire people during the season like this. Uh, but it really doesn't matter because, as a two-win team, you know the playoffs aren't at stake, and nothing else is at stake. I guess draft picks might be, but uh, the point is that. McAdoo got lucky last year. He inherited a really good system and a good team that was that was playing fairly well. Uh, they just had that incredible weakness with the offensive line. They did nothing to change it uh, coming into this season, and the team just couldn't sustain it. Uh, the, the system wasn't going to work. They didn't have the right players. Uh, and so instead of doing the right things in the last two seasons, they did all the wrong things, and the, the two-win record that was proof of it. So – you know, why Coach McAdoo and, and why General Manager Reese? Because the two of them together were competitive. They, they had no team and there was no rush to do it. Again, it, two wins, who cares what happens the rest of the season? But why not do it? And I tell you, it's proven to be, you know, divisive. Let the Giants show that they're going to do the changes. Uh, let them take a long look to fill both positions. Uh, there, there have got to be some good people out there. The Giants happen to be a decent organization. They just haven't shown it the last year. Uh, but they happen to over over time. They happen to be a pretty good uh, uh, system. They have good ownership team. 
uh, and I think that they can attract some good people. So I don't see any harm in, in getting it started now. Uh, I'm glad to see that Eli's going to play against Dallas because, let's face it, if you only win twice a season, those two wins better be against Dallas. Uh, and, uh, n- neither of their two wins are against Dallas, but they're playing at home. So uh, I don't have any hopes of this game. Uh, Dallas still has a, a shot at the playoffs, and the Giants just have nothing. They have no wide receivers, no offensive line, no run game. And quite frankly, if I was Eli Manning, uh, I know he's a competitor, but you know what? You know he's only risking getting hurt badly out there at this point because he has no weapons, no system. Uh, you know, no reason to even be on the field except that he's a competitor. As far as the locker room goes, I don't think that the locker room is in disarray. I think the Giants have leaders uh, on the team, uh, Eli being one of them. The players have rallied together in previous uh, times when things have uh, have gone bad for them, and I think that this uh, issue from last week rallied the players together. I think they stand together. That was partly why the Giants decided to do this. Let's face it. In part, Coach McAdoo and General Manager Reese are scapegoats for the problems that they've had. But it, but also, it's fair to say that they didn't have a future with the team. So now the players can rally together, uh, no pressure really, uh, except to be Dallas. And uh, you know, it's just showing that the team has heart, so they can attract some good people coming in for next season. It's going to take the Giants a couple of years to really rebuild. You can't establish a brand new offensive line and bring in a you know they just they just need too much so it's not like next year they're going to be competitive for the super bowl that would be foolish but they need to show major steps forward by bringing in the right people making improvements where they need to uh and and being able to build on that for the next couple of seasons and part of that is a new quarterback by the way no no offense to eli he's been a great leader he's had a decent career uh probably a little bit overrated as a quarterback but uh, you know, and I can back that up if you want to look at the system he plays. And they've had to every, you know, when he took over the team, they had to simplify the offensive system because he didn't have the capability of playing in the more complex system that they've had. You ever watch the Giants' passing offense? It's mm-hmm. really simple, and opposing defenses can cue in on it. Uh, well, first of all, they don't even have to because if you played Eli once, you know exactly what he's going to do. He throws these short passes up the middle. The receivers get clocked. Uh, and that's their whole offensive passing game. So, you know, look, I, I don't like what happened to Eli. I think he deserved better after his years with the team, but he was slightly overrated. They did need to make a change at quarterback. I hope, uh, and you remember I predicted this last week before all the scuttlebutt, I said that Eli would wind up with Jacksonville next year. I think there's a really good chance of that. Uh, there's a chance with Denver too, although they, then he'd be following his brother, so I don't know if he wants to do that. But, um uh, you know, best of luck to him, and I hope the team can start making some rapid improvements. They need it, and their fans deserve it. Yeah, let's see what happens. They do have two Super Bowl rings there against the Pats. Um, you know, he can enjoy that. Um, again, I've always said that we saw, for us, we saw Eli Manning mature in front of our eyes because yes. that before that first Super Bowl win, Eli Manning was on the way out. The coach was on his way to being fired, and then they decide not to sit down and give the Patriots the easy 16 and 0 and they came and they played their butts off in a game that went down historically as I said that was the game that inspired them to go on that road and and tear that NFC to playoff division up to get back to that Super Bowl cuz they knew we had them on the ropes we got to get them in the Super Bowl we can beat them and they did so you know until this day I don't knock that at all as a Pats fan I feel like that whole thing was full circle because the Pats did the same thing with the Rams that year that the Patriots won. The Pats 
took it to the Rams here in Foxborough. And when the Rams left here, they said, we're going to see them again. And they did. They saw them again in Super Bowl 36. And the Patriots took home the Super Bowl title the same way the, and, and upset the world. The same thing the Giants did to us. So, you know, yeah. I feel like full circle. You know, and 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 I, I totally agree with you on your on your comments about the New York Giants and the desert. It's tough to see Eli in that situation, but again, Eli's had some good games, but he has been a smoking- uh, hold on a second. I'm not exactly crying a river for Eli Manning. He's got two Super Bowl rings. He's got a, a very impressive overall NFL career. Maybe not one of the marquee quarterbacks of our time, but certainly a good one. He definitely doesn't go in the Giants Hall of Fame, the team's Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's a candidate for Canton. Maybe, maybe not after he retires. He's got it made. If he wants to come back in the Giants organization as a quarterback coach or not, maybe at one point an offensive coordinator, he may, you know, it would not surprise him to see him a head coach of a team one of these days. So, look, <laughs> NFL careers are not meant to be long, for the possible exception of Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, yeah. sinister one. Other than Tom Brady, is there anybody in the Patriots organization, player, player, not coaches, who was left over from the from the first football they won in two thousand three? Tom's the last one. That's it. Tom is the last one left. Nobody else is there. And right. You know what? There's another statistic that nobody's even thought about. They were talking about they were running all the numbers again of how impressive that this run has been with the Patriots. Um, and I figured this out on my own. The Patriots have more former players in broadcasting than any team has had in the history of the NFL. Almost every network has someone from the New England Patriots organization, from NBC with Rodney Harrison, Willie McGinnis on NFL Network. You have Teddy Bruschi down at ESPN. You have Scott Zolak here for local uh, broadcast of games and 98.5. You have Jermaine Wiggins tight end here on um, 96.9. So a lot of Patriots players have been employed throughout the league because at first I think what they wanted was was they wanted to create dissension among the troops and get this bad, bad word about Belichick or Brady from these players. And a lot of these players, I have to say, they've done a, a lot of these players have kept it real. They've done a good job. Rodney Harrison hasn't been a rah-rah Patriots guy. He's picked the Pats to lose, and he's doing his job. And I commend all these guys. So, uh, But sometimes we have bad things happen here, and – this weekend, we had bad things happen. Even though the Patriots came up with a loss, we're losing Gronkowski for one week. Let's do this. Let's get this apology podium out, and then we'll get into our pick. So here's our apology podium for this week. Let's welcome tight end Rob Gronkowski. Anything whatsoever, oh, fine. I know you don't give At that moment, it just happened in my life, and I just want to apologize to his wife. Um, I don't really believe in giving football emotions. Just, just, and then the, the, the throw was definitely, I mean, I feel like playing, I just don't and just do that. And there's a couple times in the game, and they're calling me for the curtain. It's like crazy. I mean, like, what am I supposed to do? And then they don't call that? I mean, I mean that, that's that's what happened. <laughs> I don't know. I just got to keep playing. Um, I don't know. All right. 
right, there we have it. That was Rob Gronkowski at the Apology Podium this week for his late hit on Tredavious White. Um, Gronkowski has had, had a tough game the whole entire game. Um, and if you, you hear him say it, he said, it's been seven years. And that's why I was out there defending him on Facebook because there was a lot of things that led up to his frustration. I, I don't agree with what he did. We all know what he did was wrong, dropping an elbow on a player that's down on the ground. Yeah, that sucks. It was bad. He's going to take one game suspension. Um, hopefully the suspension will go down for this game against Miami. That way he'll be back for the Steelers. But again, this comes down to the referees not being consistent in their officiating um, and allowing these things to happen. Gronkowski was getting beat up after every play during this game. And finally his frustrations gave out and, he had to deal out the apologies. So real quick before we get into our picks, uh, you got anything to say on that, Robert? Well, I mean, look, I think the, we, we've talked about injuries and safety multiple times on the show. I think the NFL has to enforce these things. And I think, unfortunately, Gronkowski, you know, the, the hit justifies, you know, one game suspension. I also understand, you know, what he said. That's true of a lot of these incidents, though, that players feel – uh, that they're not getting calls, that they're being taken advantage of, they're being hit underneath, and they let their emotions get to them and they strike out, and that's when they get caught. That's an all-too-common pattern. So you know what? These are pros. They need to get over it. They need to understand that that's going to happen. If you really have a case to plead to the refs, plead your case to the refs. Get your coach to do it, whatever the case may be, but you can't take matters into your own hands. It's what we teach children, uh, and these guys need to understand that because – the, the suspension is the right thing to do. I'm sorry. I know you guys are loyal Pats fans, and it sucks, but uh, but it's the right thing to do, and he's not going to win an appeal, so he might as well sit over the Dolphins because – I mean sit out against the Dolphins because they can beat the Dolphins with half their team, uh, and they need everybody back and ready for the Steelers game because that's going to matter for home field advantage. So suck it up. Take it, Gronk. Uh, your fans support you, and, uh, you know, that's it. Move forward. Ken, anything to add? Can you there? Did we lose Ken? Can you hear me? Yeah, now we can. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. I may have been twisting my mic. Uh, As I said, Gronk, suck it up. Take it. I agree with the colonel. We're still with you. I will say this. I think this is a bit of an overkill situation. He was called for unnecessary roughness, personal foul, and he was given the the, uh, one penalty warning. The next time he leaves the game, and I think that was the appropriate sanction. I think we're going a little overboard, but you know, life's unfair. You know, I'm sorry you weren't born to a Rockefeller. And in case you haven't gotten the memo, life is unfair. Cool. Let's get into our picks. Seven fifty-five, and uh, right. like I said, we've got about two shows left before the end of the year. All so right, let's the get thir- into it. The Thursday night game: the New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. Rob, we're going to speed this up. Let's go with you. What do you got? Yeah, you know, it's it's a short week for the Saints, but they're looking really good. Atlanta looked pitiful again. I'm going to go Saints. Okay, Sinister 1. Saints. Yeah, I'm going with the Saints. Atlanta, I'm sorry. I don't know what the hell happened this year. Their season's over. You know, mercy kill them. Okay, Indianapolis Colts against the Buffalo Bills at Buffalo. Are we looking at a, an upset, Sinister 1? 
I'm, you know what? I'm going to stick with, well, no, Tyrod Taylor got injured. He went out. I don't know if we heard yet what's going to go on. No, I think Buffalo takes the loss this weekend. Okay, Colonel. I'm going to have to go Buffalo at home. I know uh, everybody is rooting for Brissett, but the Colts just can't get it together. I love Brissett. I think, I hope he has a long storied career at wherever. But Buffalo looked really good in the first half against the Patriots. Their defense was ultra stingy. They're playing at home. They're pissed. Go with Buffalo. The Battle of the Midway, Chicago Bears at the Cincinnati Bengals. Colonel? Well, I've gotten in trouble when I've picked against Cincinnati at home, and as pitiful as they are, the Bears don't look great, so I'm going to have to go Cincinnati at home. Oof, that's a close one. Uh, since the one? Lions, Tigers, and Bears, oh my. I'm going with the Bengals. Go with the Bengals. <laughs> I agree. Lions, Tigers, and Bears. Go with the Bengals. Chicago needs to get its bleep out of its bleep. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. If I want one thing, if you guys want, want to give you one Christmas present, give me this upset. Since the one Green Bay at Cleveland. Hell no. No way? Hell no. I, 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 Green Bay's got some issues right now. I think they take this one. They have to. Okay. Colonel? Yeah, you know, I said I can never pick Cleveland again this season. I've been hurt too many times. I, I got to go Green Bay. They look good in that overtime win. Green Bay looked awesome. Uh, they're a pretty good road team, and Cleveland's looked pitiful. But I got to show some love to Cleveland. I know they're the mistake on the leg, but I'm going to give them one. I'm going to give them a mercy pick, you know, a pity <laughs> pick. Go with Cleveland. The soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs, the most disappointing team in the league right now. Colonel? You know, I keep saying every week Kansas City's got to get their act together. They can't keep losing. I'm going to have to say it one more time. They're at home, a division rival. The game means an awful lot. I got to go Chiefs. Since the one? You know what? The Pats game went off this week. And they went right to that Kansas City Jets game. And I had thought the Kansas City Chiefs were going to go in there and beat the Jets. And here we are. We were watching the Jets go for two after scoring a late touchdown to take that lead. I, I'm hoping to see Kansas City bounce back this weekend and take that win, so I'm going to put my hopes out there again. I'm going to go Kansas City myself. I'm sorry. I don't know what Kansas City did the mid midseason. Cursed a voodoo princess, stepped on a crack. I don't know, but if you can't beat the Jets, you can't beat Oakland. Going with Oakland. Colonel, the, ga the only game this week that you care about, probably of all season, Dallas at the New York Jets in MetLife Stadium. Are your, are your Giants going to break my heart again, or are they going to, you know, redeem themselves? The, the Giants just don't have the players. There's just no way. It doesn't matter how hard they try. i got to go Dallas, and I hate saying it. Okay, Sinister One. Sometimes when you have people fired and, and benched, sometimes players inspire themselves to win games. I don't think that's going to happen in this situation. I think Dallas comes to town, and Dallas walks out of there with a win. They need to get the playoffs. They need to. Philadelphia has lost their first game. Um, and let's see if the template has been set, but Dallas has to win this if they want to make the playoffs. Giants are in disarray. They couldn't beat a Pop Warner team, and as much as I hate Dallas and I hate them with a the passion, I think I think Jerry Jones should burn in hell for eternity. They got this one in the bag. The Battle of the Detroit Lions at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Since the one? <sighs> Tampa Bay has just let me down so much. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm just going to pick them this week and just hope they can. I'm going to go with the... I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Colonel, Detroit's been a huge disappointment for several weeks. Tampa's playing at home. I got to go Tampa. D Detroit has been breaking my heart. Like you know, they've been sleeping around with everybody and their mother. 
But I think they're finally getting their act together. They're not as bad as teams everyone says. I'm going with Detroit in a squeaker and a shocker. What the hell kind of analogy was that? You said they're like the what? That's sleeping with whose mother? They're sleeping with everybody and their mother. And their mother. Okay, they're breaking my heart. You know, they're my sweetheart <laughs> sleeping around. Okay, here we go. The, and I think the NFC battle of the week: Minnesota Vikings at the Carolina Panthers. What are we doing, Colonel? Uh, you know. I keep saying that Minnesota is due for their wake-up call. I thought it might have happened last week, but it clearly didn't. Uh, Carolina is looking like they want to fight still. I, th- I think Carolina may give the Vikings a, a one last wake-up call before the playoffs. Just a one? Vikings. I'm going with the Vikings. I'm going with Minnesota in a squeaker call it overtime. I think Minnesota's just on a roll, and they're they're here to make bi- they're here to conduct business, as we used to say in Jersey, old school. Okay, the San Francisco 49ers at the Houston Texans. Do we really need to talk about this one, Colonel? Well, we have to pick, and uh, I'll tell you, uh, neither team looks great. The Niners had a nice win, uh, so you know I don't know if they can continue it, but I'm going to have to go Houston at home. Okay, since the one? Jimmy G era has eventually st- – it's, it's official. It started last week. He took home the win. I'm giving San Fran the nod over, th- over the Texans uh, this weekend. And, uh, hey, we got Mike Fiore in the chat. He's telling us that the Bills are going to return the cheap shot on Brady in two weeks. I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest. Okay, I'm not sure about that. San Francisco is sucking more canal water than any other team but possibly the Giants. No disrespect, Colonel. It's but true. I'm going with the Texans. Okay. The New York Jets are going to Denver. Any other any other week, I would say Denver's going to walk away with walk away with this victory after the first quarter. But after the disaster in the Meadowlands or MetLife Stadium and the way D- Denver is basically crashing, burning, since the one, what do you? What's your call? I agree with you about Denver in this situation. Uh, I got to go with the Jets this weekend. As much as I don't want them to take home that win, I think the Jets are able to pick these guys off. They had a good game against KC, and I think they'll 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 keep that going. Colonel, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but J E T S. Okay. Jets are coming off a win they shouldn't have won. They're coming to Mile High Stadium, which is the most difficult place to play in. They're not conditioned for it. I do not think the uh, Denver is going to lose another game. Go with Denver. Tennessee at Arizona. Colonel? Uh, I think Arizona's coming back alive. Tennessee had a disappointing game. They've got a lot more to play for this week, but I guess I'm going to have to go Cardinals at home. All right. Sister one? Man. Yeah, I think I'm taking Arizona at home. Yeah, I'm definitely – both these teams, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to tie at, and when that happens, I always go with the home team, take Arizona. The Washington team at the Los Angeles teams. I can't stand the fact that Los Angeles moved, and I won't, ta- I won't use Washington's full name. Washington at L.A., the Chargers. What do we got here, Sinister One? I'm going with the Chargers. Okay. Colonel? Yeah, I got to go Chargers. Uh, Washington's just been really disappointing. Okay, the battle, the battle, the uh, the battle of the coast. Philadelphia Eagles at Los Angeles Rams, Colonel. Oof, uh, Philly coming off of a loss, and their Rams could be their biggest competition. Although the Vikings too, it's going to be interesting with home field. I find it hard to pick against the Eagles. I'm going to have to go Eagles. 
Okay, Sinister One. Hey, look, this is a, this is a tough game. Uh, the Rams' offensive line is is one of the best in the NFL right now, uh, but. The Eagles need to bounce back. That NFC, they need to lock this down and show that they are the team for the NFC like I feel they are right now. I'm going Eagles. Look, um, I would have said Eagles, except someone pointed out a statistic to me earlier today. Philadelphia has only beaten one uh, team over 500 this year. They're playing at Los Angeles. I agree with Sister One. Their their offensive line is fantastic. Look for Los Angeles in an upstate and a wake-up call to Philadelphia. Seattle, the this uh, I don't know what you call it, the Ooh. Seattle Birdheads at the Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Ooh. you know, you know what's two teams I actually cannot stand. Ooh. Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars are hosting the Seattle Seahawks. So, sister one, I'm look. You're talking two good defenses. I gotta go with Jacksonville. I'm I'm waiting to see this game because that Jacksonville defense is looking to make the name for themselves against the Seattle at one time was one of the best defenses in the league. So I'm going with Jacksonville. Right, I expect this to be a real good game this weekend. Colonel. I would have, I was thinking of picking Jacksonville and I think they're a really good team, but the way Seattle knocked off Philly, I got to go uh, Seattle. It's going to be a great game. Uh, Seattle has one uh, thing against them. And that is they're not playing in Seattle. They're playing in somebody else's stadium. Jacksonville, I think, has been one of those teams that has been, you know, we're going to give them the Rodney Dangerfield Award for this season because they get no respect. I think they're going to pull it out. I think they're here to stay. Go with Jacksonville. Okay, gentlemen, for those of you who want a stock tip, buy stock in the American Red Cross, especially their blood bank operations, because Baltimore Ravens are traveling to, to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in what everyone is calling the blood ball. Rob, what do you got here? Baltimore, Pittsburgh. You know, the, these games uh, tend to be disappointing, uh, you know, as far as the outcome anyway, and Baltimore has looked really good lately. I, I think I'm going to give the nod to Baltimore in an upset. Okay, since the one. Again, this is a this is a big, big, big fight. Uh, the, the, this, this is a game that Pittsburgh Steelers, I feel, they have to win because – they're looking past this game, and they're already talking Patriots, which is a bad thing to do. But I get where they're at. Both teams are. Oh man, I got it. I got to give this to to Pittsburgh by by three. Look, I'm I'm you know I got an infinite amount of respect for Pittsburgh, for Mike Tomlin, for Big Ben, but the Pittsburgh have been winning games they should have lost. They're winning them by luck, and I got a feeling I know they're playing Heinz Field, which is a tough place to play. But, you know, to quote my grandfather, either you're either good or you're lucky, and no one's, not, no one's that good, and luck always runs out, and Pittsburgh luck has just run out. Go with Baltimore. The Monday night game, the New England Patriots are playing the Miami Dolphins for the second time, what, three weeks? Since the one, do our, do our beloved Patriots even stand a chance at knocking off the Dolphins? Look, this game scares me, and here's the reason why. The Pats have played Miami every season, two games every year. The Pats always seem to split with the Dolphins year after year, season after season. One of the nights that the Patriots fare poorly against the Dolphins is on Monday night. And if I'm not mistaken, the last time the Pats played Miami on a Monday night, I believe there was a certain defensive player who finished the game with five sacks on Tom Brady and Miami took home the victory. 
I'm I feel we have to throw up the Star Wars meme of General Akbar saying it's a trap. This <laughs> game could be the trap game of the weekend. I'm going out on a whim and I am going to say No, I'm not. Patriots win this game Monday night. Regardless. <laughs> Colonel you know, it's funny. I, I guess uh, I guess I'll just echo that because uh, he made a lot of good points, but I do think the Patriots are going to win. The Dolphins just don't have the depth. Yeah. Okay. Here's the, here's my prediction. Every year, there's always one game the Patriots lose that they should have won. They're expected to win, and we haven't had that game yet this year, and we're running out of time. Granted, we're playing the Bills again, and they they showed they got a fantastic defense. It's possible that could be the Bills. But three things. Number one, we're playing on Monday night. New England has a horrible record on Monday nights. They just do. Number two, they're playing on the road, which is always difficult for any team. And number three, we're we're playing against Miami, who has, like you said, has always you know gone one one over the years. However, Miami is in the the basement, even without Gronkowski, we're doing well. But this is my prediction: field goal in overtime. For the Patriots, it will not be a walk in the park. And on Tuesday, Bill Belichick will be making his players run sprints for three hours as punishment. (laughs) And that, gentlemen, as we say, is that. Good stuff. We're at 810, a little bit over, but that's okay. Uh, Good stuff. Again, people, real quick before we get out of here, too, talking on our Patriots. Last week, everybody's talking about, oh, the Patriots ran the ball, blah, 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 blah. If you're talking about the Patriots running the ball last week and getting the win, you're not a true Patriots fan. I just want to let you know this before I let the guys say the goodbyes. You're not a true Patriots fan. I'm going to tell you this why. Ever since Belichick has had this team, and Ken will vouch for me, Belichick has had a template for this team. And it all started when we picked up Corey Dillon from September to late October, maybe Thanksgiving, the Pats have always been a passing team. Belichick keeps his running backs by committee up until October, November. He makes his lead back thirsty to run the ball. Then late October, November, what does he do? He unleashes his hungry, thirsty running back like a Corey Dillon, like a LeGarrette Blunt. And these guys are still finishing with a thousand yards. Why? Because they're eating tired defenses up with a healthy running back. You see what I'm saying, people? You haven't figured this out yet, Ken. How many times did we see LeGarrette Blunt get that lead roll head after Thanksgiving and just beat the crap out of defensive that have already played a hard thirteen or twelve or, or ten weeks of football? And now you're trying to stop a healthy running back who only has about four or 500 yards because Belichick has done this thing where he holds back running backs until have, have we not seen this? Does this look, this is why I call the man blunt force trauma. Okay. That's, you know, a lot of people call them blunt force trauma, including me. That's exactly what that was the Belichick plan. You start off with an aerial attack. You wear people down. They come in this, this season, they're beat up, they're tired. They're injured. You know, everyone's spending doing their analytics about how they're going to defeat Brady in the passing game. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you give it to a, a you know, blunt. You give it 
Corey Dillon. To Corey Dillon. You give it to you give it to Amendola for God's sakes. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave you know if they brought Wes Welker back and give it to him. Yeah. Danny Woodhead. One year we had Danny oh, Woodhead. Yeah. Look, we had him for a number of years, and Danny Woodhead was the guy you were when you were like a third and mid, like a third and four, third and five. You give to Danny Woodhead, he'd pick up five yards. So consistently, people, I don't know why you're surprised by this. I don't know why we're spending half pages of newspapers talking about this stupid crap about the Patriots running the ball. We've been doing this for year after year after year after year after year, and Belichick will tell you the reason why he doesn't because. We're in New England, and we don't know when we're going to have snow up here, and that's when we're going to have to run the ball with a healthy running back. You don't want a banged-up, hurting running back when the snow hits the ground, and it's paid off for us every freaking year. The problem is we we have people who have the attention span of a gnat, and this is what happens when you when you have the a gnat, <laughs> you get burned. Yeah. Okay. That, End of discussion. Happened. And that's why the Pats come in and win these games late in the year like this because teams are coming in to beat Brady and then Belichick unleashes a running game plan that I no mean, team. John Lewis has been chewing up, you know, yardage like it was going out of style. Yep. Yep. Eating up real estate like 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 no tomorrow. So guys, we gotta get out of here. Eight thirteen. Uh again, December twenty third, the gift of giving second annual luncheon. We are taking donations as of now. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. Just make sure you visit visit the Facebook page if you want to help out, if you want to mail out some gift cards to us so we can purchase the, the food um, for these people that we're going to be giving out. You can do so. Uh, khays9699 at gmail.com is my email. Uh, just drop me a line there. But we're going to get out of here. We're going to say our goodbyes. We're going to let Ken Diesel go first tonight. All right. want to thank all of our listeners, all 12 of them. I also want to be a big thank out. Uh, Let's try this again. <laughs> big congratulations to Megan, who just got engaged over the weekend. Muscle tough. May your wedding be a blessing. And everybody out there, hey, guys, it's getting cold. It's getting nasty. People are crazy. Be safe on the roads. Rob, you still with us? Yep. All right. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about this cold thing that you're talking about, but everybody should be safe anyway as we get into the holidays. This is a terrible time for a tragedy. So let's let's think about being nice and let's think about being safe. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yep, good stuff. Uh, guys, big update for the division came out today. For those who love the Tom Clancy video games, new map, new update, jump on it. Call of Duty went into ranked play this week. I'm out there on uh, on, on Xbox Live. Sinister One is my gamer tag. It's time for me to get some wind down time and play during the day, but I don't think that's happening because I got a busy schedule coming up. But other than that, I can thank everybody for listening to the show, hanging out on Facebook Live Angel. Ruiz, thanks for tuning into the show. Uh, Mike Fury, Anthony Arnold. All I can say now is, is SpongeBob, do me a favor. Take us home. Well, see you next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning into the booth at thebazoo.com. Please make sure to tune in for more booth next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. New York Eastern Standard Time. Become a fan on their Facebook page and check out their podcast on iTunes and iHeartRadio. The Booth is a Sinista One production hosted by Sinista One, Ken Diesel, and R-Squared. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here, and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, nah. Maybe a little more down, down here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. Silver.